Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, everybody. Welcome along to episode 55 of the podcast. That's more than a year's worth of podcast episodes so far. I'm joined by our CEO, Renault, and today we're talking all about rapid tooling methods for prototypes and comparing some of the different ones. So, Renault, first of all, how are you doing? Hey, not bad, not bad. Um, getting into the rainy and hot season, so just like every year, it's, it's a bit painful. Yes, yeah, you've got to be careful. Even with an umbrella, it's uh, you'll, you'll be absolutely soaked. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Yes. Yeah, let's let's kick it off. Um, rapid prototype. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, ra- rapid prototyping uh, and and the tooling for that. So, uh, to to kick off, what is it? Well, if let's say you want to make a new product, and and we're going to focus as in most of our episodes, let's focus on electromechanical products, right? Yeah, mechanical parts with electrical or electronic parts. Okay, so you want to develop your own product. You and it's new and it's very new and it's sort of different from anything that's already on the market. You can't just go to a factory and say, okay, you know, here's my sketch, do it, right? You need to make sure that uh, it's, you know, it, it feels right for the users. Uh, technically, it works. Altogether, the the bill of material doesn't go into very high uh, uh, total costing, and so on. So there's, there's mm-hmm. a number of different risks that you want to avoid. Um, and anyway, the manufacturer will need prototypes anyway to know what exactly they have to, to do right. So um, you could say, okay, I want you know I'm going to work with an industrial designer, and we're going to go through the mechanical designs, you know, and we're going to know exactly what the the enclosure will look like and the dimensions and the tolerances and everything. And then we're going to work with, let's say, there's a couple of sensors and maybe a little motor and some electronics to to control all that. Okay, let's let's go directly into the um, design of our custom PCBA. Let's um, you know. Let's let's buy the um, the parts that, that that we need. Anything that is custom, let's just design it right away. And then, you know, without even thinking, we're just gonna open the tooling for the plastic injection um, plastic injection molding in, uh, enclosure, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's aluminum or something else. But there's you know, if there's some tooling, no problem. Let's just do it. You know, and then you have all of this. You've already spent. You know, fifty thousand or hundred thousand dollars, and you have something. You have some parts. You have all your custom parts coming out, and the standard parts, and you put them together, and you're like, well, this doesn't look right. Oh, I, I show it to users. They tell me that they don't care about this function. Oh, and uh, you know, and there's this and this issue, and then it. Oh, when we test it, it it, it doesn't perform at all that like like we want, and then it fails very fast. So, I. I some companies do what I just said, and they're in for very, um, very painful awakening uh, most mm. of the time because they have not taken the risk out of their product design. They have not validated it. 
they spent a lot of money um, to, to make something that then they might have to scrap because, mm. um, you know, maybe it just doesn't work the way it should be. Maybe the users don't even understand how to use it. Maybe, right, it doesn't have the effect it's supposed to have. Maybe there's something that you think about it. Oh, it makes a lot of noise. You know, it's kind of scary to the user or anything, right? Basically, any new product design comes with a lot of risks. And to remove risks, you need to make the what they call the minimum viable prototype, right? It's not minimum viable product. It's really minimum viable prototype when you're talking about mm -hmm. hardware products. And how do you get to that minimum viable prototype, you know, fast without spending a lot of money, without spending a lot of time? Well, you're not going to open the tooling, you know, fabricate the tooling and everything. You're going to take shortcuts, right? And typically, and here I'm talking mostly about very um, new and complex products with a lot of risk. You do a proof of concept prototype first with the, the main one or two features that it's supposed to have and you want to get there as fast as possible it doesn't have to look good it doesn't really matter it just has to function you know in a crude way but at least you see how it works and you you learn from it you know you you observe it you test it you get a little bit of feedback from users and then after that over time you have other rounds of prototypes just to get to the point where you have a prototype that looks good and works the way it's supposed to work and until that point probably you have not opened any tooling yet okay so i mean as much as possible avoid opening tooling by that point yeah yeah um so when people talk about rapid prototyping it just means they have a product design and the product design calls for you know let's say three um three custom parts, uh, mechanical parts with a custom design. And they just need to get these parts made, you know, sort of how, whatever it takes, you know, in, in, in a most simple way. So the most common ways at this point are either adding material or removing material, right? So adding material is what people call 3D printing. Mm -hmm. It can be done on... Uh, plastic on metal i mean the technology keeps improving um, and you can once you have designed a, a part custom part and you have the, the 3d drawing it's yeah it's a breeze it's, it's very easy usually to to get it 3d printed as long as the the, the dimensions are not very very large and and and, and as long as you don't need a lot of colors and things like that, of course. Um, but if it's one material, one color, not very big, uh, there's not many limits to what you can do. Um, and the other way to get there is to take a block of material, usually like a solid, you know, um, like a cube. Imagine a solid cube of, of material, whether it's plastic or metal or, or, or you know, might be some other materials, but it's much less, much less common. Yeah. Um, and you use a CNC machine to uh, machine the material out, just like a sculptor is going to create um, his um, 
piece of art, right? Mm. Um, and this is an, an, an CNC machine. If the, if the part is going to rotate and the tool is going to be stationary, it's a lathe machine. The opposite, when it's the, 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 the tool that's rotating, it's a milling uh, machine, which uh, usually for these kinds of applications, rapid prototyping is, is, is um, more often what you would need, uh, but really it depends on the geometry of the part. So that's rapid prototyping, uh, basically going straight to having something physical, <laughs> some parts that you can touch, that you can use to put together your, you know, a, a prototype of your product without investing in tooling, without spending a lot of time waiting for it. Uh, good summary. I mean, this is somewhat connected with our topic from last week, which was the pre-production samples as well, because I mean, th th these different rounds of prototypes, they are in effect different PP samples, right? Correct. Uh, and as we mentioned last week, you want to make sure that the pre-production sample that you approve is as close as production as possible in mm. the materials, in the production processes and so on. So typically the final preparation sample that you should approve if tooling is involved, uh, then the tooling has been fabricated uh, by, that, by, by that point. Let, let, uh, let's make a distinction here between two things. Yep. Um, you do rapid prototyping by creating custom parts um, with 3D printing, with um, uh, CNC machining, or with um, soft tooling, okay, or, or a few other methods, but these are the most common. That's rapid prototyping. Now, rapid tooling, when people say rapid tooling, uh, they mean tooling in silicon, uh, silicon rubber, or uh, tooling in very soft steel, or sometimes in aluminum, but that's not common in China. Usually, um, yeah, people are just used to making it in, uh, in, in steel, so they will make it in uh, soft steel, P20, uh, for example, right? And, and this kind of tooling can be made faster because when you, let's talk about plastic injection molding here, because that's what I have in mind. When they, um, they're going to make the, the, the mold and the, the different pieces that make the, the, the set, right, of, of, of the mold. Um, they start from basically, again, a block of metal, right, a block of steel. And the harder the steel, the longer it takes to machine the, the material away, right? Um, so if it's soft steel, it, you know, the mold can be ready faster and it's uh, faster to, um, to, to, to make fixes to it too, right? To make the adjustment. So they can, can get to T0 samples, T1 samples faster. And then when they do the trials, they can adjust also, you know, relatively um, fast. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, and, and yes, a lot of PP samples are made that way. Um, and then, yeah, the final one that you approve, well, maybe you made something, you, 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 you fabricated a mold that, that is in soft steel, but still, you know, you, you can still use it for 5,000 or 10,000 shots or 20,000 shots. Um, so that's fine. That's fine. This is going to be used for mass production. 
Um, it, it depends on the grade of steel of, of, of the tooling, but also on um, different factors. You know, some plastic polymers um, will get the mold, um, I don't say used up, uh, what's the correct word? Um, basically going to end of life uh, much faster, right? Yeah. And, and also certain, um, certain geometries of, of the parts will, will, will have an impact, right? Um, so it's, you know, the key is whatever it's, is going to be used in mass production, basically. Yeah, okay. Uh, to, to illustrate what you're talking about, we, we do actually have a table which kind of compares the different mm -hmm. technologies, which is on a page uh, on site. It's a guide to rapid tooling prototyping. So at this point, I will put that guide into the show notes and you can go and have a look at the different options. So you've got 3D printing, CNC machining, silicone, as you, as you mentioned, you know, soft steel, and then you've got your hard tooling, which would typically be for, you know, mass production of, of, of quite high amounts. And that's not what we're going to be doing for, you know, a number of rounds of prototyping using. Right. And there's what I like this table because it really shows, you know, the trade-offs. Basically, yeah. if you go straight into hard tooling, well, it's going to be more expensive. It's going to take longer. You know, I've, I see some people, some, some um, classic suppliers, they say, oh, we make it in three weeks, you know, um, 15 working days, <laughs> but that's only to trial zero and only if everything goes all right and um, they get everything done on time. Uh, after that, there's trial zero, trial one, maybe trial two, you know, um, every time making adjustments, fixing, because uh, typically they, um, they typically make the mold a little bit, um, how do I say, to, to, uh, a little bit larger um meaning that the the parts themselves will be a little bit smaller uh, because they stay metal safe or steel safe meaning that it's always better to to be on the side of making the part a little bit too big and then after that adjusting a little bit uh, the yeah. mold by removing some of the the material uh, but then if you if you make the part too small and then you need to add then you need to go into welding to add some materials. Mm. It gets messy, and then it's mm. um, it really has an impact on the, the lifetime of the mold, right? So when I say it's going to take longer, well, it's you know, don't expect less than six weeks. That's what we tell our clients all the time. Sure. Um, and this has to be in the plan uh, from the start. It's it's a it's a big loss of it consumes a lot of time. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's a big issue. Um, mm. once it's in place and you're really sure that you're going to make a lot of pieces of this product, you're going to sell a lot, then it's great. Uh, it might go for 100,000 shots or half a million shots. So, you know, um, again, it depends on different factors, but, um, that, that, that's good. It will allow you to have the texture on the surface of the part that you want. Uh, that's something people often forget to, to talk about um, color materials and finishes, uh, but you, you, you can't really get um, to the, the, the final texture that you want with 3D printing or CNC, CNC machining, right? Yeah. Um, however, every time you go into uh, real molds, even with soft 
soft steel. Um, you can have uh, the, the texture basically that, that you want pretty much. The tolerances, well, the harder the steel, the lower the tolerances, you know. The, it's, um, it's, it's really very, very precise. Uh, talking about, you know, half a millimeter or tenth of a millimeter, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty good for, for plastic parts. Of course, also you can conduct all the testing you want. That's exactly the same as you're gonna use in mass production for a while. Uh, the problem with people who, <laughs> the, the downside of 3D printing, so it, it, it looks pretty, um, pretty, you know, simple, quick, convenient. But then we talk to people who show us designs that number one cannot be made with plastic injection molding. Um, and uh, so it means it needs to be redesigned. And then any tests that they've done on their product will have to be redone um, because the, the, the physical properties are going to be quite different, probably, right? Even the material, <laughs> it's probably gonna be different. So you get to drop that at one point. That, that's my point. You, you, you have to plan for the manufacturing process that will be used in, in, in mass production, right? Uh, and mm. 3D printing or CNC machining will take you to a certain point, but if in mass production you're going to do plastic injection molding, then you have to, uh, to plan for it and already get some feedback on your designs, um, you know, design for manufacturing. You know, is it, is it possible to be, to be made um, with, with that process? And, you know, you might add some draft angles to make it easier to, to uh, reject the parts. Um, you, you might have to, to add some, some ribs to, to reinforce some, some, um, some um, aspects of the parts and so on. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that people kind of forget and then, oh yeah, right. Um, you need to, to get that right on the product design um, before you start to make the, the tooling, right? And the earlier you know about that, the better. So it's always a trade-off. You know, the longer yeah. you wait, the more you can have nasty surprises. However, um, it's good to do short iterations of prototypes uh, with, you know, the quick and dirty approach does have a place. Sure. Um, and the closer you get to production, then the less uh, you want to rely on that. Um, I, yeah. I wrote, um, I wrote a, an article December of last year about proto-testing. Mm. And um, that's really, you know, it comes from a nice book by, by uh, Matthew May. And that, that's exactly what I just explained. You make many iterations of, um, you know, physical prototypes of your design with, you know, different tweaks, different approaches and things like that. And if the technology makes it easy for you to make different kinds of prototypes pretty fast, then as a product designer, that's great. You can really explore a lot of approaches and having the, the, the final product in your hands, even if it's still very, very raw, um, is, is going to be quite helpful to refine the concept, right? That's, that's the idea. So at, at the beginning of the, the product design and development is great. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It brings a lot of value. Yeah, it's it's a means to an end, isn't it? You you don't want to go into 
paying all of that money for the hard tooling until you're 100% sure that you've, well, or as sure as you can be, that you've validated and tested the different features of your product, you know, and that might not include texture and colour and finish perhaps, but it's the more basic things, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, you need to make sure that the product will actually work um, and that the users will will find it useful and will be ready to pay for it. You know, these, these kinds of um, little details <laughs> that are the difference between a successful project and a disaster that yeah. took two years of your time and uh, half a million dollars, you know. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's quite important. Um, and it's, I, I just talked about some mechanical parts, but uh, let's say there are electronics. <clears throat> mm -hmm. See a lot of clients who start with an Arduino, with an Arduino module, and then they, you know, they program it, and they 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 get it to uh, activate, you know, get information from a sensor, activate a motor, you know, uh, turn the light on, and things like that. And that's really great to refine the, the concept before you go into, okay, let's spend, you know, a hundred engineering hours to, to, to do all of this, uh, this electronic design. <laughs> no, if you run into problems after that amount of time, I mean, it's just not good. Yeah. And uh, if you, if you find issues that you need to correct after that amount of time, then you need to make fixes and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a drag on morale also of the team. It's like, oh, we just did all of that. And and then now it's like, you know, thrown in the garbage and we need to stop, you know, to to, to redo that, that part of it. You know, it's not great. Mm. Um, mm. And you wasted time and money. Mm. We, we now know what the difference is between, you know, rapid tooling and hard tooling because you've been into that. We understand that this is about reducing risks. It's about validating and testing. How do these different technologies differ? And, you know, what sort, of, uh, what, what sort of information can you give about the pros and cons of the options? Of the different, um, the different technologies you mean for, um, for making plastic parts? Correct. Well, um, sure. So 3D printing um, allows you, once you have the, the CAD drawing, of course, the, the 3D drawing of the, of the part, allows you to get it done like right here if you have a 3D printer, um, you know, it doesn't take much setup. And right here, you have one part, five parts, um, maybe a dozen parts, um, and you can use them right away. Uh, that's, that's the great thing. Um, but the problem is, uh, as I said, it doesn't have the physical characteristics of the, um, the part that you will actually make in production. Uh, yeah. You're not going to use 3D printing to make a batch, even if it's 500 products. I mean, you know, the, the cost is not low and, you know, it's, it's really pretty slow. So don't really count on 3D printing for mass production. Mm. Um, the, 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 the tolerances are not great. Um, you might have to to fix the the you know the the outside of the parts uh, to make them smooth if they have to be smooth or add the texture add add things on on, on top of it because um, again it's it's not very very uh, precise yeah 
So that, that, that's 3D printing. Mm. Uh, and by the way, uh, <laughs> it's funny because it, um, about two years ago, in, or two or three years ago in Shenzhen, we looked for, you know, a, a place that, that would have a 3D printer that we would just be able to, to use, you know, to, to plug into sort of and, and to use. And a lot of places, you know, hackerspaces and accelerators and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a 3D printer, but right now it's not, you know, it's, it's sort of um, in maintenance. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> mm. um, that was a bit frustrating. Uh, now we have our own 3D printer. So it's, um, it's kind of um, a nice toy for the R&D guys, but they, they can really make the parts that they need, um, you know, much faster without depending on an outside body. Um, then uh, the other, like the, the, the other extreme that I mentioned before is CNC machining. Uh, so you have a block of material and then you have a uh, typically um, a, a three-dimensional uh, arm that goes around, position the, the, the cutting tool and um, zoop, remove some of the material, right? Um, <clears throat> this comes with a high uh, precision. So it can be, can be done really with, um, with pretty tight tolerances. That's great. And obviously not all CNC machines are, are the same, right? Uh, some of them are more precise and more reliable than, than others, but um, typically specifications, you know, the, the tolerances can be, can be tight. Um, it, it's also pretty fast, maybe not as fast as a 3D printer, but it's also typically pretty fast. Uh, you can use the exact same material that you plan to use for mass production. So can be a bit closer in that respect. And that's, uh, that's nice. Um, in some, uh, for if, you, if you want certain kinds of patterns, you know, certain types of, types of, of texture, for the finishing of the parts, uh, you know, it could be done, but it's pretty limited, right? You cannot do anything you want. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's the CNC machine. Now, okay. I have to say sometimes CNC machine, CNC machine is what you're going to use to make certain products in, in mass production, right? Mm. Um, for for metal products typically not really for plastic products but for for, for some metal parts um, you know often the competitor if i may say that is uh, casting uh, die casting uh, basically it's also molding right you have some molten metal uh, some some kind of alloy of aluminum or whatever uh, steel and you know there's, there's a lot of different alloys um, that that is um, uh, how to say that that goes into a, a mold and then uh, under uh, a certain uh, pressure and temperature for a certain cycle, and out comes a uh, a metal part with your custom design. Okay, so it's it's the the metal equivalent. Uh, I should not say that because there's something that they call uh, meme method injection molding that's much closer to plastic injection molding, but it, it's the same general idea. It's, mm. You put the material in the mold, you, you let it cool down, it gets hard and you take it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 
in some cases for metal products, you're going to have to choose between CNC machining and die casting. And it really comes with very different um, pros and cons. Um, die casting, yes, the, the, how to say, you will consume less material because you just pour the amount of material that you want um, into the mold and then you get your part. However, it tends to be a little bit porous or very porous. <laughs> it depends on the, um, the alloy, the, the, um, the settings of the machine and so on. Um, and the problem with a porous surface is that you cannot do certain types of finishing. So a lot of products come to us with some really nice looking products and then they say, well, you know, I need to be anodized because when it's anodized, wow, you know, we can make it in that color and it's, it's beautiful. That's right. But then uh, are you going to fight the fight of, um, of, of uh, anodizing over a cast uh, part? You know, um, do you want to do that? Mm. Uh, are you going to have the volumes to get a really good manufacturer? Uh, handling the, the casting and the anodizing interested? If not, it might not be a good idea. You might have 30% rejects or, or, or more, right? Mm -hmm. And then the cost is going to go up and it's going to be frustrating to, to everybody. So in that case, it's probably better to do CNC machining. And then after that, since uh, the, 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 after the CNC machining, you can do anodizing. You can do a lot of uh, um, types of finishing, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, CNC machining, we put it here because often it's, um, it's used to do rapid prototyping uh, for good reason, but it's also definitely something for, um, for mass production. And um, the, just like the, the, the 3D printing uh, machine, we, we had to buy our own CNC machine. And the, the good thing about that is we have a CNC engineer and, you know, if we make some parts with a CNC machine and then mass production is going to be also with a CNC machine, we can tell the, the, the company that will do the, the CNC machining, hey guys, you know, this is the, the setting and yes, you can make it um, uh, you know, cut at that speed, you know, that many rotations, it works fine. There's gonna be fewer hours of the machine, so we have to pay you less, but we know it's fine because Look, we do it ourselves and it works fine. Mm. And um, oh, you don't trust, okay, you say that so only works on a small series, okay. And we make 1,000 and then um, come and have a look if it works fine. <laughs> it works fine. Yeah. You see? Make yeah. it faster. <laughs> mm. Right? Because you, you often run into these factory buses in China that say, ah, oh, maybe I'm sorry, you know, forget it, you know, that doesn't work, you know, I know better. You know, we've been doing that for 20 years. And you're like, okay, so you don't want to test it? You don't want to do an experiment? Okay, so I have to do the experiment and prove it to you, to your face. And then, you know, now you cannot say no, right? Sometimes it's the only way. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that makes a lot of sense. And prototype development, it is definitely one of the uh, services that we do do. So, yeah. Yeah, when, when it's a good fit for, for, for our competencies. Yeah. Mm, um, okay. And then after that, um, yeah, you go into the different kinds of tools. So, as I said, um, if you want, if you just want to make a few uh, a few shots, because when you're talking about, about mold, 
you don't talk about pieces or number of parts or whatever, you talk about shots. Sometimes they can have several cavities uh, to make several parts at the same time. So yep. silicon rubber, you can make five, 10, maybe 20 shots. Um, and you can make the, 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 the mold itself pretty fast. Actually, we, we, we described how to make it, you know, um, on, on the page that you, uh, that you mentioned that's yes. from our website. Um, so you, you make the, 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 the silicon mold and then after that you use a, a thermoplastic polymer that has a much lower melting point, obviously. Um, and you, um, it gets into the mold, you, you, you close the mold, you let the wood thing, uh, you know, um, solidify, uh, cool down, you take it out and, you know, um, again, you, you cannot make parts with high, uh, high, uh, high accuracy here. Uh, forget about low, you know, very tight tolerances. It's not yeah. going to be very, very precise, but um, it's pretty fast. It's mm. pretty fast. Now, you are not going to, to do that for, for mass production. Again, you know, 20 shots, 25 shots, and, and that's it. And if you multiply the, the cost of the mold uh, to make 1,000 parts, forget it. It's, it's going to be very expensive. Yeah. Um, so this is to, to, but this is quite useful because you can get some, uh, some parts that are in the right uh, polymer, you know, the right material. And you can then test your product, um, you know, including performance testing, reliability testing already to, um, to see where the weaknesses are, to see how it behaves, uh, to see if you need to adjust the, the product design. And if you need to adjust it, then after that, you make a new mold, you make some new parts, you test them again. Um, the turnaround time is, is, um, is days, you know, it's, mm. it's not weeks or, or months. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big advantage of yeah. using uh, silicon rubber. Yeah, so it's it's effectively like a temporary mold that you can just use to just get a few prototypes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and then, well, I'm I'm gonna skip on aluminum and um, hybrid of aluminum and steel because in mm -hmm. China we don't really see that. Uh, then it goes into steel, and you have different grades of steel. Uh, some are much softer. So if you don't want to spend a lot of money. And if you, um, if you don't want to, to invest for a lot of shots, then, you know, um, go ahead with soft steel. Now it's still going to take probably more than a month, right? Uh, that's the problem. Um, so you still need to be relatively sure about your product design be before you go into that. Mm -hmm. um, Usually you would do that after you have a look good and uh, uh, a looks alike and work alike prototype approved, right? This is when you prepare for mass production, right? Right. Before that, play with 3D printing, CNC machining and aluminum, uh, sorry, um, silicon molds and, and maybe some other things. I mean, you might use, I mean, if the aesthetics are, are not important, um, you can use some standard parts already on the market, you know, and you might have to machine them a little bit, you know, make um, a couple of, uh, drill a couple of holes, 
uh, things like that. And then you, you can use them for your prototypes. You know, um, that's perfectly fine. Uh, and, and people do that and it's, it's a good idea. Even, I mean, you remember the first Tesla, uh, what is it, the, the, the um, sort of a convertible, relatively uh, small, some made um, on the basis of a Lotus car. Oh, okay. They did not redevelop the wool, the wool, um, the wool product. They did that after that with I don't know Model S, right? Right. Um, but the first one, they they actually used some some parts from the existing product, including in production, and people mm. were happy to buy it. So you know what? It's not ideal because you can't, you know, it might cons- constrain you in a number of ways. But you can definitely do that for your early prototypes. And why not? I mean, some people do it also for production, um, yeah. for their finished products, right? And as, you know, as, as long as that, that um, key uh, part will, um, uh, how to say, will not go end of life, you know, you can still buy it and so on, why not? People don't really think about these kind of things, um, but uh, sometimes it's, it's the smart way to, to do. And yeah, that's a good workaround. It, it, it's all about creativity. You know, it's all about really opening the eyes and thinking, okay, what are the alternatives? What can we do? Right? Um, development, you know, product design and, and development. Um, think wide open at the beginning. Great. Yeah, that's a good comparison of the different rapid tooling technologies or, or rapid prototyping technologies in the case of uh, 3D printing and CNC machining uh, that's available and some of the pros and cons. So before we wrap up for this episode, what are your key tips for an importer who is considering doing rapid prototyping before they start mass production? So maybe just a summary of some of the key points. Well. The key points, think of um, your design, make sketches, uh, use clay, use whatever you, 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 you're comfortable with. Look at similar products. If you can avoid reinventing the wheel and make something that's relatively close to something that exists with one or two key differences, that will um, make things easier for you, will de-risk the, the product on the technical side. And another thing is, um, you know, don't forget about market research and validating that the, the product actually does solve people's problems. Um, keep it as simple as possible. Uh, a lot of people keep, you know, having ideas and, oh, it would be nice if we could do that and could do that and could do that. Yeah, okay, you got your version two or your version three here. But for your version one, if you want to go to market, you know, in uh, in, in six months, and you don't want to spend more than $100,000, say, or $50,000, you know, don't add up all of these things. Talk to users to see what's really useful, the one or two things that are really useful, and just focus on that, yeah. right? It's going to be less expensive to make, less expensive to develop. Um, go for it, go for it, go for it, for sure. Then I would say work with an industrial engineer, uh, sorry, an industrial designer that you... Um, you can communicate well with that's really really important and someone who gets your vision and by the way we talked with andy bartlett a few episodes ago um also about uh, tooling for plastic innovation molding yes 
um, and and he's one of these guys who uh, who can really turn uh, just the concept into um, pretty nice looking designs. When you know at the at the stage when you go to a manufacturer, you know don't spread your designs all over the place. Um, do a little bit of vetting first. Get them to sign a non-disclosure, non-use, non-circumvention agreement, and then agreement before you share anything with them, and get them to sign a development contract, product development contract, uh, before you start to get them to do any kind of development, because otherwise they will say that they own the, um, uh, you know, the, the the design sort of, and they might mm-hmm. not send you the. The design files, you know, as shocking as it sounds, uh, it's extremely common in China, right? Um, and yeah, play with it. You know, it's often better to stay a little bit longer on refining the the the, the product design, talking to users, thinking of the alternatives, thinking of how to keep it simple, right? Uh, rather than rushing into let's get us fast as possible into tooling and certifications and production and selling. And actually that's how it's going to take you much longer. No, absolutely. Great. That That's a brilliant summary to top it all off. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Some excellent guidance there for anybody who is uh, wondering how to approach rapid prototyping. So yeah, great. Thanks, Renaud. Thanks to our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please go into you know, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you you're listening to this podcast. Give us a five star, you know, five stars if you like it, and 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 a review if if you feel like that. I mean, it makes our day. It's always better, always helpful. Thanks a lot. <laughs> With that being said, we will see you next time. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to like and share, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.